I'll be back. I don't know how much longer I can hold this. positive attitude about this. You seem as if you like to talk. I like to let people talk who like to talk. It makes it easier to find out how full of shit they are. What the hell did you just say? Don't nobody go in the bathroom for about 35, 45 minutes. I might open the window. Game over, man. Game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? Baby, you know, let me back the road, daddy. Okay, ready? You good? Yeah. All right. I don't believe I've seen you boys around here before. Please <laughs> allow me to introduce myself. Name a uh, Daniel Durazo. For those of you who are pressed for time, Big Dan, Toot Cold. And these two soggy sons of bitches next to me are, are Andy. Yeah, that's me. And Jose. Yep, that's me. <laughs> and in case you haven't noticed yet, we're reviewing Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Oh, by the way, this is Cinematically Cynical, our movie podcast where we listen, we watch movies and we break down the plot and we talk to you about them. Welcome, guys. Uh, so, how did you you guys enjoy this movie? This was a this was a fun yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, no this is actually my first time watching it in full. And yeah. uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, this movie is about 103 minutes, which is what a little bit over about an hour 40, yeah. give give or take. Yeah. So not a super long movie, but it's another one that's like like the last one where we that we cover where it's like it's like it's not super long, but a lot of shit happens. Yep. Yeah. It like once it just gets going like from the beginning, it's balls to the wall. So if you haven't seen it yet, you should pause this, go find it, go watch it. It's a great movie. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? from the year 2000, written and directed by the Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan. Yeah, so go watch that right now and then come back to us and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about it because we're going to spoil the shit out of everything. <laughs> yep. Exactly. All right, so let's get started. So uh, this is set in 1933 Mississippi during the, the Great Depression, kind of Dust Bowl era. And it is based on the Odyssey by Homer, yeah. which if you've mm-hmm. taken a freshman uh, English class, you've probably read the Odyssey at some point. I haven't read it since, I don't know, probably eighth grade, ninth grade, something like that. I mean, sounds about right. Yeah, it's old. I mean, and if you, you and if you're <laughs> super familiar, I know there's people out there that are super familiar with like this old like stories of like ancient Greece and all this shit. And are like super obsessed with this shit, so um, they probably know the story better than I would. But um, well, it's I mean, it's also been adapted into a bunch of other. Things. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, been yeah. done a bunch of. I know uh, there was a, a comic or like a you know graphic novel called Infinite Horizon by Gary Duggan that was a like a more modern interpretation right. of it that was really good. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So there's and there's all kinds of. I'm sure there's other ones too that we don't know about. But yeah, this is actually this is probably the only one that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so we start this movie with a fucking chain gang, and the chain gang is singing some music, or they're, they're singing some music. They're singing some songs. They're singing. They're singing, they're singing, a, singing. Well, they're singing a song, 
And the song's called uh, Paul Lazarus, and it was actually uh, recorded by uh, a man named uh, James Carter. And he was an actual prisoner, actually part of a, a chain oh, wow. gang. Didn't know and, uh, this, the, oh, wow. the recording was actually from an, an actual chain gang. So these chain gangs are singing the song Poor Lazarus. Also, this movie is kind of a musical. I don't know if it's technically can be considered a musical. Yeah. There's a lot of musical numbers in it, yeah. but um, I think for a musical, I think you have to, like, you can't be, like, part of the rules is, like, the characters can't be aware that they're playing music or singing music, really. Like, yeah. it has to be kind of just part of, you know, just kind of, like, you just burst out into song. Exactly. Like, just part of the regular. Through, through music, yeah. maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, so these guys are uh, are working on the chain gang, and uh, we cut to, like, a field uh, right behind the, the chain gang, and we see three prisoners running off into the, the distance. And uh, we, we start our next song, actually, which is uh, Big Rock Candy Mountain, which is an old... Uh, 1928 hobo song and you know as part of our opening credits and the credits are really cool because they give us like the like the title cards from like silent movies back in the day uh, which is like really awesome the three prisoners that are escaping are uh, Ulysses Everett McGill who's played by George Clooney and he is based on the character of Odysseus from the Odyssey and uh, fun fact is that Ulysses is actually the romanization of the name Odysseus. Odysseus. Oh. And uh, and but they mainly call him Everett throughout the movie. Yeah. Like he doesn't go by Ulysses, he goes by Everett. And um, Everett McGill was actually the name of the actor in our the last movie we covered. Yeah, people under the people stairs. Under the stairs oh, that's true. Who was who played Daddy, if you recall. And then uh, we have Pete. I think his last name is Hogwalla. Hogwalla. Yeah. Hogwalla, right? He's played by John Turturro, who is fucking fantastic. I love John Turturro in this movie. And then we have uh, Delmore O'Donnell, who's played by Tim Blake Nelson. And they're kind of meant to represent Odysseus's soldiers. Yeah. As mm-hmm. uh, from the the Odyssey, so they're breaking out of this this chain gang, and um, we get like a little montage with the opening credits, and you know we see them like chasing a chicken and doing all kinds of shit, like just trying to like get uh, away, get and- get away. They're they're, they're running. They they hear like dogs and shit coming yeah. after them, and so like they're constantly just like running, and they they see a, a train passing by. They try to jump on the the passing uh, which. They are successful, yeah. Somewhat, yeah. They're they're somewhat successful. Uh, Everett is able <laughs> to at least get on, and as the but since they're all chained together, Delmar is trying to get up and it's having a very hard time. Uh, Everett's not helping him at all. He's just letting him struggle, and then as he's running, Pete falls and kind of pulls the rest of them yeah. down. <laughs> uh, in the in the car too, there's like a bunch of hobos there that are just staring at them like whatever. Yeah, like, what is he asking them about? He, he, he asked them if if they're smitties. He says, oh, right. Like, uh-huh. He wants to know if like they're blacksmiths or something, so they can um, take the chains off. And that's one of the the big things about this movie is that uh, is the dialogue. The dialogue yeah. is so like great and old timey, and um, more than old timey too. It's like very southern. It's southern old timey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like very like interesting like colloquialisms and stuff and Everett's kind of known for being a big talker you know is one of these people that says a lot of shit but doesn't really say much of anything and uh yeah he kind of like 
his like dialogue is constantly just like talking and not fucking I probably relate more most to to Everett in in this situation. Uh, so they they fall off this fucking train and um, fucking Everett's pissed. But as the the train passes, they uh, they start to argue and Pete's like, hey, like what the fuck? He literally says, who elected you leader of this outfit? Exactly. You know, Everett's like, let's put it to a vote. They each vote for themselves and. So, so nothing is solved. Exactly. Well, Delmar gets put in the middle, yeah. exactly. and he's just like, yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm with you, you guys, guys. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I also, I, I wrote here in, in my notes, Delmar is adorable. He reminds me of Jose. Of course, <laughs> he's like, he's like the Jose of their group because he's like super optimistic. It's just like, yeah, okay, everything's cool. Everything's good. We're good. Exactly. Yeah. Everything is cool Everything's and cool. good. Everything. <laughs> and he's also like the smallest one of the group. Um, oh, I see. I wow. see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that one. The shade. Um, so um, after the, the the train passes, we see like an old like railroad like pump cart, yeah, like the hand yeah. hand carts, hand, hand carts, and there's like an old man operating it. And uh, the boys ask if he, they can uh, join him, and he's just like, "Yeah, sure." He, they get on, and he just starts like wailing at them about a bunch of shit, and yeah. he's like. Did I mention he's blind? Did I say that? No, no, no yeah, no, no. yeah, no. But he's, he's blind. He's blind, and he's kind of based on the Oracle character from mm-hmm. the, from the Odyssey, who's also blind. And right. he tells them that that he knows basically that they're seeking a, a fortune, fortune and, a, and mm-hmm. a treasure, but they're not going to get it. Basically, said it's because of their obstacles, mm-hmm. right? Well, and, he, oh, well, he said it's like they're going to find a, a, the fortune, but well, not the one that they were looking for. Yeah, not exactly. that one that they're looking for. Yeah, they're going to be finding yeah. a different fortune. He's like prophesizing very like, yeah. cryptic they, and everything. They briefly mentioned like what they're looking for is like a bear. Like there's some some money buried somewhere. Yeah. They, like, it's like a throwaway line right at the beginning. Yeah. It, like they get into it like after they leave the, the old man. They don't even show them really leaving like how they no. depart from the old man. They just – Go down the, the line with him for a little bit, and then they just hop off. I get a, a, at, at some, some point. point. He even he tells them, and this this comes back uh, mm-hmm. later on, and I'll mention it when it does. But he tells them, "You'll see a cow on the roof of a cotton house." Oh, you see yeah. that, and that, and it sounds just like a funny line when you hear it, cause yeah. <laughs> especially the way he says it. It's really like you'll see a, a cow. And like he seems confused. He seems confused by it. So basically, we find out that um, there's this treasure that Everett has hidden, and that's kind of how he convinced the guys to break out with him. Right. Yeah. And we find out more about this as we go along. Uh, Delmar and Pete are kind of concerned about this old man knowing about the treasure and mm-hmm. being like, "Well, what? The, well, how does he know about it? What the fuck?" And then. Everett tries to explain to Delmar that because the old man's blind, he probably has psychic powers. Because sometimes when people are blind, they develop psychic powers. Yeah. But then when when Pete was like, well, but he said we weren't going to get the treasure we wanted. Everett just turns yeah, automatically. He just like, goes right past and, it. And he, just, he literally says like, what the fuck does he know? He's yeah, like, he's just a crazy person. Yeah, he's just, like, he's, he's just like, he's an ignorant old man, he tells him. He's no <laughs> shit. Yeah. Just ignore him. Just, but he knew the treasure. Who cares? Yeah, you want fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck him. Uh, they, they go and they, uh, they're they headed to Pete's cousin's horse farm. <laughs> yeah. And, um, like, they walk up to to this fucking farm, and this farm looks like shit. It, it looks it's, like it's, it's, there, it's, a, it's a dust farm. Yeah, was yeah. There, I was going to ask, was there any horses there? Like, no, yeah, there was there. nothing. <laughs> there was nothing there. It's, like, just completely, like, 
desolate. And well, there was a horse, and then you, you find out. Yeah, what would happen? Oh, to them. right. <laughs> so they walk up to this farm, and like like they just start getting shot at. And this kid comes out, and is like, "You bo- you men, you men for the bank?" Yeah, and. And they're like, uh, no, we're obviously prisoners. Like, they're wearing striped uniforms. They're still in chains. They're still in chains. And then this boy's like, well, you're from the bank. You're serving papers. I'm supposed to shoot you. <laughs> and um, he's like, I shot the census tape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he said, and then they tell him, that's a good boy. <laughs> like, yeah. like, good, you're listening to your dad. Yeah. So then they, they walk around and they find his dad, uh, Wash. Wash Hog, uh, Washington Hogwallop is his mm-hmm. name. And he's Pete's cousin. And... He's sitting there whittling, whittling. Yeah. whittling. He's not whittling. whittling anything. He just yeah. Like, I was like, I was looking at that. It's like it's nothing. He's just like making a stick skinnier. Yeah, yeah, that's all he's doing. And he's sitting there, and he's surrounded by garbage. Um, and he's like, there is a cow there. There's a cow there. Right. And the cow is drinking out of an old bathtub. <laughs> and uh, both Wash and his uh, and his son are are only wearing overalls with no shirt. We find out that, like, Pete hasn't seen him in, like, 12 to 15 yeah. years or something like that. Uh, maybe just while he's been in jail. Maybe he's been yeah. in jail that long. Because he didn't care to visit him. Seemed, he, he seemed pretty upset. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they have a weird, They like, have a complicated yeah, relationship in that family. Like, you can tell Wash is just, like, mm, doesn't really... I, he almost seems like he just is, like, nonplussed about this. Like, yeah. he doesn't really care that these... Fucking fugitives like have just come to his fucking farm and yeah. all this shit, and like he's a weird looking dude. On top of it, like he just like yeah, and he just kind of like no sells everything. Yeah, so he like gets them out of their chains and gives them some clothes, and this is gonna be like basically the clothes that they're gonna wear the rest of the fucking time. Yeah. So, fucking overalls and fucking dirty old shirts and shit like that. And they're at dinner talking, and they find you know they find out that washes a. Uh, Wife left him. He tells him she done R U N N O F T. Run off. She run off. Um, and then uh, we find out what happened to the horse because they're like, "Well, this stew's really good." And he's just like, "Well, I slaughtered this horse a week ago. She's starting to turn." <laughs> and it's, so basically, they're eating rotten horse stew. <laughs> and the only one that looked concerned was Delmar. Yeah, yeah, yeah everyone, like, everyone else was just eating. eating yeah, they're way. like. Whatever, and Delmar's like, oh, I don't really want to eat gross horse, <laughs> but he does. And then they're they're just like hanging out, like they're like listening to the radio. And yeah. uh, oh, that was that's the first commercial, right? They yeah, hear for Papio. Dan. Yeah, that's yeah. The, this is the first time we hear from uh, Governor Menelaus. Pass the biscuits, Papio Daniel. Yes. and it's <laughs> his radio show. It's the Papio Daniel Flower Hour, um, b- because Papio Daniel also makes. Flower, like he's like, yeah, he like cultivates flour, I guess. Yeah, so that's why he's past the biscuits because you use the fucking flour to make your goddamn biscuits mm. with c- cool cold water or whatever the fuck he <laughs> says. So then Everett asks Wash for a hairnet, and uh, Wash is like, I got some hairnets in my bureau, go get them. They were my wife, you could fucking have them, help yourself. Yeah. And uh, we find out later that uh, luck, luckily for Everett and the boys that he, he did have them because he, he goes into his, uh, his bureau and has some like sticky fingers and we'll get into that when we get to yeah. it. Which uh, he needs the hairnet because like as soon as they get cleaned up, he's already like messing with his hair yeah, yeah. and making sure he looks good. Oh yeah, yeah. the whole time he was just combing himself with the pomade. 
and yeah. just coming over and He's over. obsessed with his hair. Yes. He loves his hair, and he loves his specific pomade, Dapper Dan. He's using Dapper Dan constantly. He refuses to use anything. Doesn't want fop. Don't, no. don't give him no don't, fop. Don't even show him the fop. No, get the fuck out of his face with that fop. Get the fop out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so then they go, and they're sleeping in, in Wash's barn. They're sleeping in, like, the hayloft. Everett's woken up from a dead sleep. First thing he says is, like, my hair. Yeah. Every time he wakes up, he's concerned about his fucking hair. And we find out that it's the authorities. So they have guns and dogs and torches and, like, a fucking full posse. They're telling him, like, you boys better, like, come out. Like, we got you surrounded. There's no there's no hope. Just come out. And Everett keeps saying this one line. And I noticed this in later years. Yeah. He keeps saying, damn, we're in a tight spot. Yeah. He I says know. it at least, like, five or six times. I was surprised. I, I didn't remember that scene like that. And yeah. I didn't remember him being so comical. Yeah. No, it's yeah. super funny where he just constantly is saying... Damn, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> yeah, and my favorite part was like it's already like uh, they were farther away from the camera, but you could still hear in the yeah. background like, "Damn, we're we're, still, we're not in a tight spot." Yeah, no, and like in the background, like he's saying, and there's a few scenes like that where they take a line and they just run with it over and over and over again. Pete and Delmar wake up and they're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And Everett's like, "Fucking Wash sold us out. He fucking yeah. called the cops on us. He's yeah. trying to get the bounty on us, obviously." And Pete's like, what the fuck? Fuck you. He's my cousin. This is like, he's a wa- wash is keen. And then he's like, immediately, immediately. Here, yeah. wash. Here, wash is like, sorry, Pete. I had to. <laughs> it's, it's, they, they, they got the, this depression on. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and fucking Pete's pissed. Yeah. And he's like, straight up tells him like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then he calls him <laughs> Judas Iscariot Hogwaller. <laughs> Which, by the way, when I if I ever become a fucking folk singer, that's gonna be my fucking Judas Iscariot Hog- name. Hogwall. That's a good name. That's a good fucking folk singer name. Yeah. So the cops just like decide like, all right, they're not coming down. We're gonna smoke you out. Which it's not so much we're gonna smoke you out. We're gonna just set you on fucking fire. Yeah. They set fire to the the barn or whatever the right. hayloft that they're in. Yeah, they 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 set fire to the entire barn. They're like pouring gas on it and shit. So they're shooting at them and they're there's fucking like the whole place is on fire and they're like what the fuck do we do? The cops end up throwing a, a torch up into the loft and Pete like just like throws it fucking back and like there I guess there's like uh, uh, like some yeah, like I think the, gasoline had spilled or something like that. The cop who brought the can the can of gas over to spread all over the barn. I guess just like it's a leaking can or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And where the torch lands, it lands right on like just a line of gasoline that goes right underneath the the, the cop's uh, truck, which is fully stocked with more gas and, and think, guns. Yeah, and, and ammo. 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 Maybe like dynamite, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> no, and like because honestly, like. I was like, you're going after three guys. You already have, like, Tommy guns and shit. You don't need all this shit. Yeah. Maybe it's just, like, their storage bed. But, um, <laughs> so then this fucking van catches on fire, and all this gunfire starts going off. Like, in from inside the van. So a bunch of the cops scatter, and then from out of the dark, out of nowhere, we just see this car come in, and it's, like, honking. And the cops are like, get the fuck out of here. What the fuck is happening? And the the car busts into the, the, the barn. barn. And it's fucking Wash's kid. And he's fucking driving the car. He's sitting on fucking <laughs> phone books. 
Phone books has blocks on his feet. He has right? blocks on his Temple his of Doom feet. short round style. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. And uh, he tells the boys he's about to R U N N O F T, and um, they go and they they run out and and get get into the car with the, with the kid. They're also like chastising this this kid while he's saving them and saving them and he, the, the boys like fuck you you're not like my fucking boss like just let's just go and then. Delmar, I think, also saves a pig that was in there, a little yeah. piglet. So that's nice because Delmar is a nice person. It, it's something that I just thought about right now. Like, they constantly show him, like, having, I don't know, like, animals or just, like, yeah, gravitate everything. towards him. Yeah. He's, yeah. like, playing with butterflies at one mm-hmm. point. Yeah, exactly. They were, like, yeah. attracted to him. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Fucking like pet detective. I, I, I think it's just, <laughs> like, it's more about... Um, his, his, like, sweet... His, his innocence. Yeah. He's, yeah. Like, he's really, like, a kind of... Innocent, some, you know, kind of ignorant, like, uh, character sometimes. And he just, yep. like, you know, and he means very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drive pretty much what seems like all night because it's, it's the next morning. They fucking tell Wash's kid, like, get the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, hit the bricks. Yeah, yeah, hit the bricks, exactly. And, they, well, that, that was nice of him, though, because ultimately they're not going to take care of him. Yeah. Uh, so they're just sending yeah. him back to his pops. And, they, and the pig. Yeah, and the pig. The pig sends him back with the, with the pig, which is also good. And... Yeah, and that and the kid's pissed. The kid like does not want to go back. He he even like tells him like I fuck I curse your names like, <laughs> which I mean I don't blame him. He was living in a shithole. So. Yeah, yeah. He's just like I'd rather go with these fucking convicts and then fucking stay with my goddamn uh, useless father and his gross farm. <laughs> I'm tired of eating, like, this rotten-ass horse. But, like, we never see... Like, they tell him, go back home and mind your paw. I bet you that kid doesn't go home. I yeah. bet... I, I bet I, that, that kid, like, ends up becoming, like, some sort of, like, fucking... Drifter. Yeah, some sort of fucking drifter. He probably ends up becoming, like, H.H. Holmes or something. He probably ends up on that train at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was one of those dudes. He like, probably like, ended up dead. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ends up, like, Carl Panzeram and shit. <laughs> fucking traveling around, fucking murdering people around the world. So yeah, so this is where we really find out about Everett's love for uh, for Dapper Dan because he goes to a, a store, a, like a local store, I guess that's nearby, like right. a, like a general store. And because oh, they're trying they, to get parts. They, they, they told the the kid to fuck off because the the car broke down, and they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to fucking fix this car. So he's trying to get parts from this general store. The the shop keeps like we don't really have any parts. It'll take two weeks for us to get them. Yeah, everything's two weeks. Everything's two weeks. Everyone even calls it a geographical oddity because yeah. um, <laughs> two weeks away from everything. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the the guy offers him uh, fop pomade and he does not want that fop. I'm and a man, man. He's a dapper Dan man. The fop yeah. is wrong with you. <laughs> and he tell the guy tells him to watch his language because it's a it's a it's a public store. Yeah, <laughs> and um, he's like. Fuck it. Just fuck. It. Like, whatever. What the fuck ever. So then he goes and he meets back up with Pete and Delmar. They're, like, have, like, a little campground set up in, like, an old, like, what looked like an old, like, cemetery. Yeah. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's like an old, old like, dilapidated cemetery. It looks really cool. And they're, they're there. They're sitting there and they're eating gopher. This is the one time Pete, uh, Delmar is not nice to animals is because he's... He's eating this gopher, and this is another uh, another line, another yeah. line that's said over and over, and it's really funny because like every like, uh, so George Clooney and and or George Clooney Everett and uh, and Pete are talking. After pretty much everything that they say, Delmar's like, 
You care for some gopher effort? It reminded me a lot of Donnie in the Big Lebowski. Like, mm. the dude and Walter just talking. He just keeps peppering in some some bullshit. Yeah. So someone finally, like, acknowledges yeah. him. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, Delmore. Yeah, he is very, very close to, to, to Donnie. Donnie. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I never even thought about that. We find out that the treasure is in this valley, this river valley that they're going to dam up. And they have four days to get to it. Otherwise, it's going to be completely underneath water. So they're like, you know, we have four days to get there and we can't make it on foot. Everett's like, well, I don't know what we're going to do about my hair, which is his main concern. But as far as a, a car goes, I have an idea. And he pulls out a fucking watch and we find out it's fucking Wash's, <laughs> Wash's watch that his wife gave him. And when Everett went to go get those hair nets, he took that watch. Yeah. They plan on selling it to get a car. I guess that fucking watch is worth a lot. Yeah. Or cars are just not worth that much then. Both, uh, I think. Both. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably, probably both. And Pete gets Pete's upset with him. Pete's very, yeah. very pissed. Um, and he tells him, <laughs> he's like, he tells him like, uh, he's like, you fucking stole from my kid. And he's just like. Yeah, well, he was gonna betray us, and he's just like, "Well, so you didn't know that." At he's, the just, time. he's like, "You didn't know that at the time." He's just like, "So I borrowed it until I did know that." Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that make no sense. That's that's one. That's one of my favorite like line readings. Is that don't make no sense. I fucking love that shit. Yeah. I saw this movie originally like when it first came out. Like I think I rented it and I fell in love with like all the dialogue and I keep that line with me all the time. Anytime I say that doesn't make any sense or that don't make no I say it just like that. That don't make no sense. <laughs> and then like Everett tells him it's a fool who looks for logic in, in the chambers of the human heart. <laughs> Which is like it's what he does is he just deflects yeah, and just it's like just yeah. all the time. Yeah, he's just like, I'm gonna tell him some shit that sounds like something profound, but it's fucking nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It just so that you shut the fuck up and leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> and so that I win this argument. And while while they're having the argument is when you start to notice yeah. all the, the people in white in the background yeah. just walking behind them. Yeah, and it's like there's this singing going on. I think Everett even goes, what the hell is that singing? Like, as they're – like, in the middle of their argument, like, this also constantly happens in the movie is Pete and Everett will get into some sort of argument and then something will will cut them off. So, yeah, so these are some church-going people and they're singing Let's Go Down to the River and Pray, which is an old uh, gospel song. It's, it's, a, it's a nice song. It's, that, I mean, as far as, like, you know, any religious theme, yeah. like, it's it's – a gorgeous song. Yeah, and um, the the soundtrack to this is like really good. I think it like won like Grammy. No, it did. Stuff. It did. Yeah. And I, after seeing it now for the first time, mm-hmm. I understand why yeah. it was so popular. I was like, it's great. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure that one the, that main song was nominated. Yeah, for award. yeah. We'll we'll get into that that song soon. So um, so they follow these these people and they're down. They literally are go down to a river. And for, uh, there's for a, a baptism. Yeah, they're they're bas- it's basically a big line of people getting baptized, and so they're like just completely like just mesmerized by what the fuck is going on, and both Delmar and Pete or Delmar just goes and just dives right yeah. in and just like 
again, and it goes back to him like always have, being the one to really mm-hmm. have that kind of empathy, and then you, you and, can see him wanting that experience and yeah. he runs towards it. And like, and and not just like that empathy, but also like mm-hmm. the the optimism of just being like, yeah, this is this will fix this everything. This will fix it. Yeah, this will yeah. fix everything. This is and he comes out and he like basically tries to sell them on it. And Everett's like, you're fucking crazy. And then, well, you think that the other two guys are like extremely like pessimistic. They're just like, look at this guy. Yeah. Okay, go get baptized, whatever. And then, and then Pete was just like, yeah, okay, I'll do it too. Fuck it, just throws this, throws his hat at Everett, and yeah, runs. There's a there's a scene like right after this where there is some smoldering like ashes, and we see. A hound dog, and he's sniffing up a a, one, a can of Dapper Dan, and we see a hand like the like the the meme the the Arthur hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like that, but it's holding a uh, a hairnet. Yeah, so they're they're after mm-hmm. every, yeah. Yeah, tracking they, him. Yeah, so they have his scent. They know that he smells like Dapper Dan. That's that is. I think I didn't pick that up until this time watching because I'm just like, oh, they're just tracking him, whatever. But I don't think I really picked up that they were tracking specifically the smell of the Dapper Dan, yeah. and that's and, then, yeah. and because he won't he won't, he won't use switch anything to anything else. Exactly. Like that's and him. He'd leave the he'd leave the hair nets behind too. Yeah, yeah. So because he just throw them wherever, and then we cut to them in their new car that they just bought for this watch or traded or I, the, who knows how they got this fucking right? thing. how it works back then. And uh, Everett's like kind of talking shit to them about like being baptized and being like. He's just like you two are fucking dumb. Like, <laughs> y'all, y'all are dumb for getting baptized. Yeah, he mentioned how you know in a time of you know need and the depression era, yeah. people you know seek all this kind of fantastical stuff. Yeah, they're, like they're, they're looking for answers yeah. where you know where there is none, and so yeah, of course people in and. Pete and Delmar think like, oh yeah, no, this like puts a square. We're not fugitives anymore. We're good. Yeah. And Everett's like, no, this is not how it works. You're probably like, you're good with God, but like the fucking state of Mississippi is a different story. Yep. And then even, uh, I think Pete says like, well, you should join us. At least it'll would have uh, washed away the stink of that pomade, which actually probably was a good idea. Been, yeah, probably idea. was a good idea because now that's how they're tracking them. Mm-hmm. So they come to a crossroads. And they see a young gentleman on the side of the road, a young quote-unquote colored boy. He's standing on the side of the road with the, with the guitar, and Dalmore's like, yo, let's pick this guy up. So they pick him up, and uh, we find out his name's Tommy Johnson. And um, originally, I, I think probably much like many people, I thought he was based on Robert Johnson. Right. Um, who had uh you know legendarily you know supposedly sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads Mm and even eric clapton covered the the song the the crossroads about robert johnson or that robert johnson wrote but is actually usually attributed to robert johnson but there's actually another blues singer actually named tommy johnson that also apparently sold his soul to the devil that this tommy johnson is based off of yeah so Dalmar's like, you know, there's no fucking houses out here. Like, what are you doing out here? Why are you out here by yourself? And he's like, uh, I, I came out here to, like, sell my soul to the devil. I had to meet him at midnight at these, at these roads. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, why, why would you do that? And he was like, well, I wasn't fucking using it, so why not? And he taught him how to play the, the, the guitar real good. 
Pete asks, like, what's the fucking, what's the devil look like? Everett starts to describe, like, classic devil. Like, yeah, he's got horns. Horns, daily right? skin. He says, carries a hay fork. Yeah, hay fork. And Tommy's like, nope. He's, <laughs> he's fucking white. And I was Just like. like you guys. <laughs> he's like, he's whiter than you. And, and, and I was like, that's the most accurate point of dialogue in this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> he, de- he describes a, a gentleman uh, with a, a deep voice. He says, hollow eyes. And walks around with a big hound dog, a big mean hound. So, yeah, and he tells them that he's going to a radio station to, quote, sing into a can to cut a record because there's a man at this radio station that will pay you money to sing into this can. They go to this radio station and it's called W-E-Z-Y, Wheezy, Wheezy Radio. Also, before I forget, I want to, like, point this out. So, uh, this entire time while we're in this movie... Everything is is yellow and brown and gray. Oh, yeah. And um, this is actually kind of, like, important, I think, because this was one of the first movies to digitally replace all of, like, digitally color correct a bunch of shit in, like, the background uh, on, like, a large scale. Like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. it had been done before on, like, smaller scales. I think they were saying that they were... That they filmed in June and July in Mississippi. Yeah, they but the- it was it was too green, mm-hmm. and so they were like, "How the fuck are we gonna get around?" They tried different like filters and stuff on the cameras, and at this time, I'm assuming they're shooting in like ninety nine, ninety eight, because this came out in two thousand. Yeah, yeah. They ended up having to go through pretty much all of it. And every every single shot you see with like any vegetation, they've digitally altered that to make it look yellow and brown. Yeah. And and even like they were even talking about like different tones like when certain things happen, like it'll be dingier than yeah. when when you first get there cuz sometimes they're like really bright yellow. Yeah, there's like certain scenes where it's almost mm-hmm. a, uh, technicolor like that yeah. one scene well, where you see the field and then you see the blue in in the, in the mm-hmm. overalls it's, mm-hmm. it looks like Yeah, but really especially pops. when they're in the city, it looks like a completely different movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this is like the the first real movie to do that. At least like, you know, on a large scale like this. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting cuz it's just like man, just like Back in the day, like you like because it's so commonplace now, like it's just everything. Well, I think, in a, I mean, that was around the time of The Matrix, too. So yeah, like, there yeah. was clearly like all this innovation in film and like in how they made movies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the, the, the whole time you were seeing like all this different like color correction and stuff like that. And it's really like interesting and like i don't even know why i brought that i've been meaning to like you know, i kept, I kept forgetting <laughs> it was in your it. brain it yeah, just no, same, right? yeah. Yeah. that's one thing i wanted to talk about because it. because the, the whole yeah. time this whole time we're seeing all of this yeah. and like i don't even think i really fully realized that until i watched it this time around and going back and watching it i was like oh i kind of noticed it a little bit more it doesn't really it doesn't take away from it at all yeah. But yeah, so anyway, so they go to this um, this radio station, and it's run by a blind Stephen Root. And uh, Stephen Root is fucking great. If you, oh, he's excellent in this he, one. Oh, he's so fucking good and funny in this. And if you don't know who Stephen Root is, he is in so many things. He's in Dodgeball. He's in Office, Office Space. King of the Hill. King of the Hill. He's in Get Out. Um, Just a, like an amazing character. Actually. Yeah, he's... So good, and this is like one of my favorite performances of his. And he plays uh, the the radio manager, Mister Lund. the The boys walk in and they ask, like, "Oh, you know, who's fucking in charge here?" And fucking Mister Lund comes out, and he's <laughs> blind as a fucking bat. Like, 
the thing is, like, he's not just, like, blind. He's, like, giving, like, full, like, crazy eyes. Like, his, like one of his eyes is closed. One's going, like, all over the place. But he's completely blind. He has, like, a, like a walking stick and stuff like that. Everett tells them that uh, his name is Jordan Rivers. And he's joined by the Soggy Bottom Boys. And I, just, I also just realized that he named them that because of the fucking baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh, this whole time. Yeah, got it. Yeah, because when when he gets when when Tommy gets in the car, he, he tells them that they're two soggy sons of bitches. Yep. So that's oh, okay. that's where the, the soggy bottom boys come, and that they do songs of salvation to salve the soul. And then um, Mr. Lund asks them, "Are you Negroes?" <laughs> or no, you, he says, do you boys play Negro songs? And they're like, well, you know. and Everett's like, I don't know what he's trying to do. Like why he would say is like, well, sir, we, we are Negroes except for our account, account, our account, our, the, the fellow who plays guitar. And Mr. Lung's like, well, I don't record Negro songs. He's like, I'm looking for some old timey shit. And um, they're like. Well, you know, we actually do a bunch of old-timey stuff. And uh, Pete and Delmar also say that, oh, we're not really Negroes either. <laughs> and, um, and so then that's where we get to our main song, which is Man of Constant Sorrow, which is an old, old folk song from back in the day. I don't even know. It's like, kind of like a traditional. Yeah. I think probably like the most famous, like, this is probably the most famous version of it, but... I think probably after that, it's probably like the Bob Dylan version of this song is probably the most popular. Um, and I was just telling Andy b- before we started that I was like, for like for a while, when I first seen the movie, I was convinced that that was George Clooney singing. And it is not. It's someone no. else. It's someone, he just does a really good job lip syncing. He's, yeah. His, his well, facials. Well, having the can also in front of him, that, that definitely helps. It obscures yeah. about like 50% of his face. Yeah. No. And, it, and yeah, his, but his, uh, his facial uh, ticks and everything in it are really are really good, and yeah, the song is pretty awesome. I think this yeah. is really, this is what got like the the Grammy nominations and all this shit and all the attention was this fucking song. And it's easy to see why it's yeah. is really good. It's a great song, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the the best part is Stephen Root's character just behind the glass while he's listening to the music, just vibing, to just it. vibing, and he's and he's kind of. Humming along to it, but it's, it's like yeah, he's off with <laughs> yeah, and he's like he's it's so fucking funny. I can't even describe it. You you just have to see it. It's so fucking it's it's really funny. Um, so he um, so uh, they they wrap up the song and he's super happy with it and he tells them you guys come back here sign these papers i'm gonna give you ten dollars each ever makes up two other guys that are yeah that, that instantly sees an opportunity yeah. to make more money ever ever the con man he's constantly scheming and coming up with some shit and that's what i noticed throughout the movie too it's like yeah they're going to go get this treasure but like if they can make a couple bucks along the way they'll do it any way they can mm-hmm. yeah especially Everett. So they go and they get they get uh, this money, and as they're coming out, they're all fucking ex- they're all stoked because they a they just killed it. As they're coming out, they run into this big fat man. Where they actually run into four fucking fat men. It is Governor Menelaus, past the biscuits, Papi O'Daniel, and his, <laughs> the finest governor of Mississippi. Yeah, the finest governor of Mississippi's ever had. And Tomer's like, hey, you know, there's a man in there that'll pay you money to, to sing into his can. And Pappy's like, 
fuck you. I'm the fucking governor. Like, he does not have time for it. No. I think he calls Delmar, like, a stupid cracker or something like that. Yeah. Or he calls him a dumb cracker. And um, Pappy is also there with his son, Junior. Yeah. And his two stooges that are, I don't know. Just like campaign aides or yeah, something. Yeah, they're like his, yeah, his his aides. They're, they're basically his yes men. In my head, I've kind of been referring to them as uh, Pat and Gerald. Because that's what oh. they remind me <laughs> of, of, of uh, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. Yeah. That they're, they're actually really fucking funny. Like this, I think this whole group of Papio Dano Jr. and like these two stooges are like, really fucking funny i think they're like some of like the funniest parts of this movie yeah and it's like it's like a little side story but they keep weaving like in and out mm-hmm. with the with yeah the trio yeah so and like we kind of go back and forth with pappy like a, a few times and uh so he's there he's he's also like uh this radio star so he's there to like like do his uh his his radio show yeah the, the pappy O'Daniel flower hour and uh, he's a fucking dick. He tells his fucking son, "Thank God your mammy, <laughs> thank God your mammy died giving birth. If she'd have seen you, she'd have died of shame." Wow. <laughs> what a fucked brutal. And also, Pappy has this thing where he calls everybody a some bitch. It some some sort of some bitch. You pasty face some bitch. You flat headed son of a bitch. Dumb some bitch. You dumb son of a bitch. Any kind of fucking combination. So now it's it's night and the boys are just like they're kicking back, staring at a fire. Tom is picking out this like beautiful like blues song. It's an actual blues song called um, "Hard Time Killing Floor Blues," originally by uh, the artist Skip James. And this is actually the the guy who plays Tommy. It's Chris Chris Thomas King. Chris Thomas King, who I believe is an actual blues musician. So while they're there, they're. Um, they're talking about the, the treasure, and apparently it's $1.2 million, and I think they say it's going to be like $400,000 oh, 400, each, each, and yeah, that Everett stole it at some point. They talk about what they're going to do with their shares of the money. Pete wants to become a, a maitre d' of a fancy restaurant out west, and Delmar just wants to like buy farm. buy his, fa- his family farm back, mm-hmm. which apparently is why he... Why he went to jail was because he, he robbed not, a bank. He, he no, he robbed a piggly wiggly. That's it. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he 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 quote knocked over a piggly wiggly in Wazoo, and um, <laughs> it's just like a funny funny like sequence of words. Piggly wiggly and Wazoo is is a funny fucking very shit. very silly. Yeah, but apparently he did that in order to get money to buy back the family farm. So he plans on doing that, and they ask. Everett, like what he had planned when he had originally stolen it, anyways, and Everett's like, I don't really have a plan, and they're like, What the fuck? That's that's weird. That's yeah. weird because like you seem to have a plan for fucking everything. Also, like they had decided they're like, Well, yeah, let's just sleep out here because they had I guess parked by by a by a barn, and they're like it fucking stinks in there. Let's just camp out tonight. Mm-hmm. They're interrupted by. Oh, basically, what sounds almost identical to what happened at uh, at Wash's farm. Yep. And so they hear the cops, and the cops just they don't give them any amount of time. They just burn the fucking barn down right yeah. away. This is actually when I realized that they're tracking him th- with the pomade. Everett says they found the car, and uh, we see the we see a silhouette of of a man with a hound dog and. Uh, 
Everett even says, I left my palmate in the car. Yeah. And he wants to, like, even just go sneak up and, like, grab him. They're like, what are you talking about? Get the fuck out. While the cops are right there. Yeah, they're right there. (laughs) And they're like, what happened to Tommy? And Tommy just... He took off. And, uh, yeah, he just, like, he was so scared, he just took off as soon as he heard the cops. And, I mean, it makes sense if he saw that silhouette, too, of... yeah. The dude with the the, 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 dog. the dog, yeah, that's, no, that's your devil right there. Yeah, exactly. So the next day, they're walking down the road again. Pete and, and Everett are are arguing about something, and they get interrupted because they see this car just barreling down, like fucking jamming. I didn't even know like cars from that time could <laughs> could go that fast. And, I mean, yeah, and they, they, they do show it like but the thing that got me like of how fast it was going, it's just like, oh it's just dry it's just a car driving. Yeah. And then it hits like a little hilltop and yeah. that thing gets some fucking yeah. air. It was like fuck like how did like this old car like handle that fucking <laughs> It didn't just explode when yeah, it came back down. Exactly. It's like movie magic, baby. Yeah, movie know, right? magic. Like, cause I think about like the freeway out here, the um what's the the, the Pasadena freeway? The one oh one? Is it the one oh one? That's Hollywood. The the, the one Pasadena is one ten. The one ten. I always get them confused. So the but that was the, the first the first freeway ever built. Yep. It was built in 1939. This takes place in 1930. I believe they covered that in the documentary Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And we mowed uh, down a whole town full of uh, tombs. It's it's a sad story. Sad, but, you know, now I I don't have to fucking, uh, you know. I mean. uh, It halves my time to get to Pasadena. how, How bad would traffic be if we had, if we also had fucking tune cars on the goddamn road like traffic's bad enough here in la if you also had a, what the hell is that fucking uh benny the cat yeah uh <laughs> but okay so i'd be partying over there honestly but, uh, visit that historical place. inaccuracy of of uh who framed roger rabbit that place takes place in 1941 yeah the, the freeway was built in 1939 oh right but the reason they made the the freeway the way that they do, if you know, like at least like from here to Pasadena, it's super windy. Yes, it's super duper windy and kind of scary. It's, it's, it feels like tight. Like yeah. when you, when I whenever I have to drive that freeway, I'm always just like, okay, just pay attention because mm. there's nothing but curves. Right, and and the the whole thing was like they made it like that because they assumed that people were gonna fall asleep driving because it's so long. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, that doesn't even make any sense. Because especially, like, you see the some of the roads in this movie in particular, you're like, all it is is, like, miles of just, like, dirt dirt and, like, fields, and that's it. And this dude's barreling down it. And I always assumed that, like, oh, yeah, there's no way, like, cars back then were, like, going, like, 60, you know, miles an hour on this fucking freeway. You know, they're huge cars that I'm, I'm like, I don't even know if they can get up that high. You know, they probably, maybe they have, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I'm getting way off. Fucking, so this car comes barreling down. The car fucking stops like right at them. So the car stops and the, the driver asks Everett uh, for directions. And he's like, I don't really know. And Pete's trying to help him out. Meanwhile, like Delmar's gathering all this shit out of, out of like, that's flying out of the, the back of the car. And it's like, fucking money it's like dollar bills it's like bills as they're trying to figure out the directions we see these other cars fucking jamming down the road too and the guy's like well why don't you just hop in while you think about it 
and they get in the car with him, and they're like, oh, this guy's nice enough. He's giving us a ride. How nice. Yeah. Swell guy. Yeah. What, what a nice guy. So they get in this car. It, the guy introduces himself. His name is George Nelson. They introduce themselves. I, I remember originally watching this and being like, George Nelson? Why does that name sound familiar? I was like, it's supposed to be something. I couldn't figure it out just then. So as they're going, he has all the fucking windows of his car down, and... Um, He's got just money flying yeah, out of the just, back. Because the money's just, like, loose in the backseat. Yeah. And, and even Delmar tells him, like, hey, friend, your folding money has come unstowed. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, you just have enough money to just, you know, sit around and fold it, you know. And he's like, oh, you know, just stuff it down there. It'll be fine. And he tells fucking Everett, hey, take the wheel real fast. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And he opens the fucking door. He has, like, suicide doors, so they open the opposite way. He jumps out with the fucking... Or he, oh, he, he jumps he's, out. He's looking, yeah. Yeah, he jumps out, and he's just like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. And he tells fucking Delmar, like, hey, hand me that chopper. Yeah. And fucking... As Delmar's handing him, he asks him, hey, so what kind of... What line of work you in? He's handing him a Tommy to- gun. He's <laughs> handing him a fucking straight-up Tommy gun. And fucking... George just starts fucking... Shooting at these cars, and apparently these are fucking cops that are yeah. coming right after yep. him, and he's blasting at him, and he's fucking talking all kinds of shit. He's having the time of his life. He's yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like that's that's. Uh, I think that's why he does it. It's just not because of the money itself. It's, it's the just thrill. The thrill, yeah. exactly. And we we do find that out later. And, yeah. And he's like he's crazy. He's like <laughs> laughing and like he's he, bipolar. Remember when they call him Babyface? So. So he's shooting at, at these at these fucking cops. They pass a field full of cows, and he and this is this is gonna be a trigger warning for some of you because oh, yeah. this is actually probably like the most like disturbing part of the like the movie, honestly. Yeah. So they pass this field full of cows, and George sees them and he goes, Cows, I hate cows worse than coppers. And he just starts unloading into this field of fucking cows. Thank God they only show one cow getting hit by these fucking bullets, and it just it, it gets hit by yeah. those bullets. It's like yeah. thirty bullets in that cow, yeah. and then it caused it, it caused it to like the, them to stampede. Yeah, and another fucking uh, cow, cow got gets, hit by the the car, but by, by the cop car, which also stops the fucking cops. Yeah, it was kind of smart, but it's also like it's it looks fucked up. Yeah, it looks, <laughs> it looks real. That's what I'm saying. Like they got in, they got in trouble for that because they thought it was real. Yeah, no, and like oh, they really? wouldn't they wouldn't give them that signature. You know, it's like no animals were harmed, oh. and they're making this movie. They're like, no, no, you have to prove like that wasn't a real cow. Wow, well, it's like well, yeah. we don't have a fucking body because it was digital. Yeah, it was digital. <laughs> yeah, and like it's very obviously a digital cow, which it also like. For it being a digital cow, it looks really good. I Especially good. Like back then. Good. Yeah, for yeah. like a 2000 digital cow, it's like... It was solid. Yeah, and on, yeah, honestly, like that that scene's always like really... Like, I, like it still like gets me like when I see it today where I'm like... You're just like, fuck. ugh. Yeah, like, fuck. Yeah, like this was fun. Like ten seconds ago, we yeah. were shooting at the cops, and it's like, and come on, cow man. cow just, oh, yeah, and then, took it so hard. And then they just keep going, and... George doesn't get back in the car. He's still hanging out of the car, just shooting up in the air and, like, laughing his fucking head off. And, like, he's having, like, the most fun he's ever had. So they get away from the fucking cops, and they get to the, the town where they're going, the town of Itabina. George is, he says, he's going for the record. Three banks, two hours. Yeah. So they get into a bank. They fucking stick it up. And I pointed this out to you earlier, Andy. George, when he gets in, his face is, like, normally just look, you know, he's... Finally, he jumps up on the, the table. He announces his row. He says, 
here to fucking, you know, take this. Then when he turns around later, he looks like he has like red shit smudged across his face. I've never noticed this before until this recent watching. It's not like real, real noticeable. Yeah. It's unless you, you point it out, but you he definitely has and maybe that's just now that it's you know, I'm watching it on like an H D T V and shit like that, that it's more noticeable. Mm-hmm. But he definitely has some like red shit like smeared like next to his mouth. Right, yeah. And I never noticed that before and he didn't have it before. He didn't have it before when he walks in, yeah. When he walks in. And uh, I'm thinking that there may have been a scene where he probably like forcibly kissed one of the like the bank, you the know, women inside, one, the- one of the, the people inside the, the bank. And I'm you know I'm assuming they're like mm, we don't probably need him to like sexually assault a lady too. Um, <laughs> you know he's like I think they're 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 trying to make him more of a sympathetic character than. Well- and yeah, because that that would definitely push him over the edge. When yeah. right now he's just kind of like too. Dem- it's like oh, he's crazy, but like he's a nice enough guy. Yeah, you know he gets the the money, and it's literally like a cartoon like bag. Yeah, it's a bag with the <laughs> with the dollar sign on it and shit. Fucking Everett asks him like, how the fuck are we gonna get out of here? And he goes, oh, this is how. And he fucking is full of dynamite. He has all kinds of dynamite strapped to the inside of his uh, his, his coat. coat. And as they're about to leave. Some lady just whispers to one of the other uh, bank patrons, like, that's Babyface Nelson. <laughs> and and I just and he fucking flips. He stops dead in his tracks. Yeah. Like, what? Who said that? Yeah. He gets in this fucking lady's face and he tells her, my name's fucking George Nelson. It's not Babyface. Yeah. And he continue like, they constantly, like, that's what he does when he's terrorizing. He just... Yelling at his full name. Yeah. Because he wants people to know his no, full name because he hates the baby face. Yeah. Name. As they're leaving, like, he's visibly, like, upset and just, like, just downtrodden. Like, he's, like, that That flip is, that, that, that switch has been flipped. Yeah. yeah. Like, he was, like, ecstatic. Like, yeah. Two seconds before that, yeah. as they're walking out with the money and everything, mm-hmm. he's just, like, I did, I, I, you know, I stuck up another bank. And then yeah. after that, he's, he's just, he broke the record. He, yeah. he got the record of, of three banks in two hours. But just that, that little bit of just someone calling him something he didn't like. And he's like, he leaves um, sad. Like his yeah. shoulders are yeah, slow. Yeah, baby face. I'm, yeah. I'm sad now. Exactly. And so that night, also, uh, this is another thing I noticed about this movie. It jumps from day to night to day instantly, to night. Like yeah. instantly. There's no like. Here's the afternoon. Here, it's like we're either like during the day, at night. That's it. Mm-hmm. So there, it's at night again. They're sitting by another fire, just hanging out and they're talking. And uh, Delmar's like, again, super optimistic. He's just like, "Hey, that was actually kind of fun, fucking sticking up that bank." And Pete is is playing a guitar here. A banjo or something? No, no, or, Pete, it, it's, it's, it's a, guitar. a guitar. It's a it's a guitar because I went back and I looked at it because I was like, where the fuck did this guitar come from? I don't know where this guitar come from. I thought maybe it was Tommy's, but they don't have it no. later on. They don't have it later on. He's just like, there's just this guitar all of a sudden. So they're there and they're just sitting there and Delmar is just like, that was fun, whatever. And George is like. What is like, I don't really give a shit. Yeah, he's just like, he's like sitting there, like just sad. He looks it like it feels like he took that from the at the end of the bank, like yeah. that just stuck with him. And yeah, he's just been sad ever since. Yeah, he's just been sitting there with it and stewing. He's just like, all right, I'm leaving. And he just up and like fucking, and he's just like, you guys can have all the money. 
here. And he just empties his pockets. And he walks away. And just walks into the night, like into like the forest. I, honestly, I thought he was going to just blow his brains out for a second. <laughs> That's what I... So, but it, it is funny when you see, because like he, as he's walking away, like you don't see like his features. He's silhouetted because it's mm-hmm. dark, mm-hmm. but you can still see money like coming out of his pockets yeah, and just, everything, just falling out. Yeah, and he, just, and he just doesn't give a fuck. No, um, and Everett and uh, and Delmar are actually kind of like concerned about him. Delmar's like, "What's going on with him? Do you think he's okay?" And and Everett's just like, you know, he's, you know, he has a thrill-seeking attitude and, you know, with, with those highs also comes, you know, the lowest of lows. And, like, while they're talking, fucking Pete. Pete's like, I can get all this fucking money. And he just starts scooping all this shit up. I would too, shit. Fuck yeah. So then he's just gone. He clearly doesn't care. That shit could definitely come in handy. Yeah. And then <laughs> we cut back to, like, the, the radio station. And outside of it, there's, like... Just like this farmer, just in the the field, just out, like across across the road from it, and there's like this band that that rolls by on like a flatbed, with uh, and they're campaigning for a gentleman named Homer Stokes, who is um, a reform a, candidate. A, a reform candidate who's going up against Papio Daniel, and uh, they're playing his song. Like Papio Daniel has his song, which is "You Are My Sunshine," that they play all the time in the Papio Daniel Flower Hour. Homer Stokes has uh, "Keep on the Sunny Side," and that is played constantly when you know for mm-hmm. for, for his, his rallies for his rallies and all this stuff. Um, and then we go back inside with uh, Mr. Lund, uh, Stephen Root. This man comes in, and I think his name's Mr. French or something like that. And he tells him like, "Hey, I need to talk to you about these fucking soggy bottom boys. Who Where are they? Are, yeah. Where, Where are, are they? they? Like." This fucking record is selling. Like yep. they're selling out fucking everywhere, and they're a fucking hit. And we need to fucking find them. And Steven Root's like, at first Steven Root's like, I don't know who you're talking about. And then he was like, Oh yeah, I remember now. And then he's just like, Okay, so yeah, they're they're basically like establishing this shit is a fucking hit. This shit is yeah. They're playing it in like Alabama and all, stuff. Yeah, it's just, yeah, all it's over. like statewide. Yeah, they're, they're, they're huge, and <laughs> they're completely just oblivious to it. And so next, it's a montage time. We have a song called I'll Fly Away by the Kosoi Sisters. Kosoi Sisters? That's the original recording. This one's performed by Alison Krauss and Jillian Welch, who, does a, who do a lot of music on this uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So during this montage, they're like kind of... They're, we just see them walking around. They're hitchhiking. They steal a fucking pie off of a window seal. They leave money for it, so it's not really stealing. And they're eating like the, the pie using like a newspaper. And uh, ever throws the oh the, yeah uh, yeah. And then they just missed like looking um, like the second page right behind that initial one that was yeah. being burnt. It said "Soggy Bottom Boys Hit." You know. Yeah, it, it, it basically talks about like. How they're like they're looking for them. Yeah, they're looking for them. The the song is blowing up. Nobody fucking knows where they are. That first page, because you can't really see it because it starts burning immediately. Though it's about the valley, and they're just like, "Hey, we're gonna be flooding this valley." Yeah. So it's just constantly reminding Mm -hmm. you, like, "Hey, time's passing. Like, it's it's coming." Which also, I think it's been like uh, because okay, because there's actually two night scenes in this. So I think it's been like it's well over four days. Oh yeah. So at the end of this this montage, they go to a gas station slash like convenience general store. store general yeah. store. They're getting more more pomade, and as they're walking out, they just steal this dude's car. <laughs> Straight up, they just run into the the car, 
And I actually have a lot of notes on that because I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. First of all, they didn't have to steal the guy's car. They have all this money from this fucking bank heist, right? They have all this money. They, they bought a car for a fucking watch earlier. You have money to, to buy a car. Besides all that, right, right, maybe, be, maybe, besides maybe that, they just want a deal. What the fuck happened to George's car? George's indestructible car. He just walked off into the fucking night. Yeah. Oh. What happened right. to his car? How come they didn't take that? Maybe they just wanted to be nice and not like you know. Maybe they left it for him. And like they didn't want to bug him. They didn't want to take his car. They're just like, yeah. hey, you know what? Like that guy was a little uh, off. Yeah, he's a little off. <laughs> if, and also, they're saved. If, now, anyone, so if there's any car anything. we don't want to steal, it's no. George Nelson's. Because yeah. I've seen what he can do with a Tommy gun. Yeah, he's, he's obviously a very disturbed person. And, <laughs> and it was just cat. Like, I didn't expect that. And then I saw him getting into it. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, you, like you thought they were just like going to just walk by. And it was just like nothing. You know, head back on the road. But no, they steal this dude's car. And apparently there's also, like, a banjo in the back That's the That's what I was confusing earlier. When yeah. I, I was like, yeah, someone's uh, – it's Delmar in the back yeah. playing a banjo. Yeah, he just, like, finds it and they're just kind of plucking away at it. And, like, as they're driving, fucking Pete hears something. He tells Delmar to shut up. And then, like, he just, like – He glances down at this, like, riverbed. Yeah, and he, and he puts his – basically puts his whole fucking fist in his mouth. And just, like, screams. Yeah, like – yeah. <laughs> it, that part, like, it, uh, where did it, that come it, from? I'm not sure. Right how. after the, like, if you watch a montage, you're just like, okay, this is like a couple scenes accompanied by some, mm-hmm. like, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And that scene is like not long after, and it just abruptly, like, it brought me back into the movie. Yeah. I was just like, what no, the, what's it, going on? Yeah, yeah no, you know, same. Because it's still kind of quiet, like, because it's still kind of quiet, because the, the song that, that they go through is real soft and it's real, like, mm-hmm. real nice, real pretty song. And it's still pretty quiet as they're driving along, except for for uh, Delmar just picking away at this banjo and then all of a sudden like you just hear him go shut up Delmar and then just quiet and then you hear and like yells at Everett pull over pull over pull over he runs they he runs out of the car and they're they're hearing women sing which I'm like you've seen plenty of women <laughs> you, I like you've been in jail so I get it but there's since you've been out you've seen a lot um, you've not had this reaction, but these these women—they're down there doing sexy laundry. They yes. follow it, they follow the the singing down to like a river a riverbed, mm-hmm. and they're they're doing their laundry seductively in in the in the river and singing and singing the same song um, together. That song is called "Didn't Leave Nobody But the Baby," and uh, it's pretty much a cappella, and it's like a really old song. It's a like traditional kind of. American folk song, and this one's also done by Alison Krauss. They try to introduce themselves to these ladies, and these ladies are meant to be like meant to represent the the sirens, the, the sirens in the Odyssey. And I think he, they they even Delmar call, even calls them yeah, sirens. Yeah. sirens. Yeah. So yeah, they try to introduce themselves, and like Everett is trying to fucking like he's trying to spit his game. Yeah, he's trying to spit game. He's trying to like talk to him, and they just keep feeding him liquor. They're like they have a yeah. big fucking like. Flagon of, I think he says it's corn, corn liquor. Corn liquor, yeah. Corn liquor, <laughs> liquor. I don't even know her. It's like that classic. <laughs> it's like the jug with the three yeah, X's. Yeah, yeah, literally. Like, like, like uh, that's actually the the only time I've ever seen that. Other than this movie, was in cartoons. Yeah, yeah. like 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 uh, like Looney Tune cartoons. Exactly. So then they like they're like seducing all, all the guys. Well, they just keep singing. They don't say anything. They just keep yeah, singing. Yeah, they just keep singing. And then we just like cut to black. 
And then Delmore like wakes up first and he looks and he sees Everett laying like directly across from him. And then he looks over and he just sees like a pile of, well, not even a pile. Like, it's, they're laid out. Yeah. Like, he sees like Pete's clothes just laid out. It's like he, he was yeah. wearing them and then vanished, yeah. but his clothes were still And they're there. all laid out yeah. really weirdly. Like they're, they're each laid out with like their kind of legs sprawled and just like down, like just laying down straight on the, on these rocks. It was almost like look ritualistic, like mm-hmm. the way they were. Oh, I thought it looked like, well, what is that when, when uh, Jesus comes back and it just takes oh, the, rap- the rapture. Oh, the rapture. He got raptured. <laughs> yeah. Ever w- wakes up. And of course his first concern is his hair, which is all fucked up. Yep. Um, and he's like yelling for Pete and he's like, Pete, where the fuck are you? Like, I've got time for your bullshit. Delmar's looking at, at the pile of clothes and he's, he sees he like, sees something move. he sees something move and he's like, Oh my God, they just left his heart. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, cause it like where the, where the movement is, that's where it kind of starts. It looks like it's, it's like in a the chest. Yeah. It's yeah. in the middle of the shirt. They never so, really explained why it was in that position. Like why the clothes. Were no, there. no, just, no, they don't. Um, I assume you're just laying them out to dry. And yeah. Oh, something. Yeah. It turns out it's a it's a fucking frog and it jumps out. Delmar's like, he was like these sexy ladies fucking turned Pete into horned toad. And he's conv- <laughs> like he's convinced like that's yeah. that's the first thought that comes into his he, mind. Like he considered nothing else. And that's actually also kind of part of the, the, the Odyssey, Odyssey where, where they, they get turned into pigs. Yes. Uh, Odysseus's soldiers get turned into pigs by the sirens. Mm-hmm. The, the, the frog tries to, to hop away and fucking Delmar's like in the river trying to catch this fucking frog. And they, they catch him. Everett's like, I don't think that's fucking Pete. And Delmar's great. He just goes... Of course it's Pete. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> Look at this frog. Look at the frog. That's Pete. Clearly Pete. It's clearly Pete. And uh, he wants to find a wizard to, to change him back. Yep. And uh, Everett's like, uh, I don't know about that. So they put this fucking frog in a shoebox with like some hay or something. And they go to a fucking fancy ass restaurant to go eat. Hell yeah. I would do the same. Because they got all this money. Why not? Why not? They have this frog in... In, 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 the, in the shoebox with uh, with hay and stuff, but they just have the lid open, and Everett's like, "You can't have this fucking frog out here like this at this fucking restaurant. Like, people are gonna be like grossed out by this frog. They keep calling it a toad. It's a frog. Like yeah, a toad's yeah. way fucking bigger, right? So <laughs> Pete's like, or uh, Delmar rather is uh, is like, it's not right that we cover him up like we're ashamed of him. And and Everett says, "Well, if it is Pete." I am ashamed of him <laughs> fornicating for fornicating with some whore of Babylon. First of all, sex worker of Babylon, I think, is is more appropriate. And then Delmar very loudly says, "Well, the two of us was fixing a fornicate just in, yeah. right in front of like the, the waitress." And and Everett's like fucking immediately switches into like bullshit mode yeah he's, he's just, just like, like um, 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 um yeah I'm, I'm sorry for my my ill-mannered partner here yeah he says and just like make it so that it's nothing they don't kick him out of there he gives her like some fucking money and when he snaps this money up it attracts the the, the keen ear mm-hmm. of uh of a dan of a big 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 Dan, <laughs> of, of a big, big, big Dan. Uh, big Dan Teague, or how do you? I don't yeah, know his name is Teague. Teague. Big Dan Teague. 
who's played by John Goodman. He's meant to represent the Cyclops in the the Odyssey. Yeah, oh. he, he even got he, he, he has an eye patch and everything. There's actually like a lot of like blind people in it. The, like there's the the blind man on the on the railroad car, mm-hmm. the Oracle. Yeah, yeah. There's the the radio station man who's blind, and then we have Big Dan who's only got one eye. Mm-hmm. So he and Everett, they're hit off right away. They're like. They're both... They're both bullshitters. Bullshitters. Bunch of fucking con men. And basically, Big Dan tells them, like... I'm. He tells them he's a, he's a traveling Bible salesman. And that he wants, he wants to give them, like, an opportunity to make some money in the name of the Lord. And even gets them to, to pay for his fucking bill. And add some food on top of it. Yeah. And he tells them, wrap your, your food up picnic style... And we'll we'll take it elsewhere so we can talk about this stuff in a mm-hmm. uh, more intimate setting. So as they're leaving, we see Pappy O'Daniel and his staff are in that same restaurant, mm-hmm. and Pappy is pissed because they're they're losing the election. Basically, I mean, the election hasn't started yet, but they're like way behind all that, all the polling and stuff. Yeah, just like he he might as well like. He's like, uh, what was, what's his name? Homer Stokes? Yeah, Homer Stokes. He's like, Homer's going to win it in a walk. Yeah, and and he's like, I might as well write my concession speech now. And like one of his stooges is like, all right, I'll start drafting something up. And and Pappy's like, I'm joking. And like throws, throws, his, his, hat. throws his hat at him. And, and the guy's like, Pappy's just making a point. And then, and then he throws his hat at him again. That's the one thing Pappy's constantly doing. He's, just, he's throwing his hat. He's hitting them with his hat. His That's his weapon of choice is this fucking hat. So we're in the field. The they're all picnicking with Big Dan. This is where Delmar is like innocently playing with butterflies, mm-hmm. and like the butterflies like landing on his head. Yeah, you know? he looked all majestic. Yeah, it was it was really sweet. Big Dan like finishes like eating, and he's just like, "Thanks guys for not like talking to me while I'm eating. I don't like to." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like just throwing like chicken bones. At, like th- it's just weird how he's just staring at him as he's like finishing eating those like uh, chicken bones. Yeah, and, and like look like a pervert, really. Yeah, because he's like he's like sitting like a mermaid, basically. Yeah, yeah. away from like not facing them. Either. Yeah, yeah, no, and like in a weird way, and they're just sitting there. They also bought him beer. He's, yeah, I he, saw that. He has a he has a Budweiser uh, bottle there with mm-hmm. him. He starts talking to them and about like his strategy. Yeah, his, his strategy Bibles. for selling Bibles and stuff like that. He's just like, yeah, I'm gonna give you guys a lesson right now, and breaks off a fucking branch from from a tree, and just begins to beat the <laughs> shit out of both of them. At, well, he, he hits well, Delmar. He yeah, hits Delmar. He fucking like decks him with that branch. Yeah, and they start fighting like, a little. What's going on? Yeah, like, Everett's still eating his corn on the cob. He's like, like what's wrong, Big Dan? Yeah, yeah like, like, like well, how is this part of what we're supposed to accomplish or whatever? Yeah, he's just like confused, not really concerned about Delmar. <laughs> no. <laughs> doesn't really like, oh. And Delmar's getting the shit kicked out. Yeah, and Delmar is... We were just talking about this, how much smaller Delmar is than John, than John Goodman. And, like, well, he's got to be, what, 5'6", five, 5'8", five, five, maybe. And John Goodman, he's got to be, what, like, either between, like, 6'2", six, 6'4", six, something like something that. Something like he's, he's big. He's a big dude. I, I fucking love John Goodman. John Goodman's probably one of my favorite actors. And because um, yeah. he's... Like, even if the movie he is, he's in is shit, he's usually good in it. He beats the shit out of... Out of Delmar, and then like hits fucking Everett right in the face with the fucking 
with the stick, knocks him out like immediately. Yeah. Takes his fucking money. Delmar tries to fight back, jumps on his back. You see like the difference between them yeah. here. And then just like flings him off and like that's it. Like they're both just done. Yeah. And then he checks in the he checks in the box thinking like, oh, we got they, there's this is what they were protecting. Yeah. Like, yeah. The shoebox full of money. Yeah, he he thinks that and then he opens it and he's like, oh, there's a fucking is just a frog in here. Yeah. yeah. Delmar's watch like that's the thing. Everett's knocked out, but Delmar's watching this yeah. all go down. Yeah, Delmar's beat up, but he's watching. And fucking Big Dan just crushes this fucking frog in his hand. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, oh you know, I don't know if he says frog or toad, but like they, they give you warts. He's like, and yeah. And then he just fucking squeezes that shit. Yeah, you and they they do a good job of like adding that like that, that sound effect in. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 squid. It's like a squish and a crunch. And yeah. he's like and he just chucks it at the tree. At the tree, right and like the, the 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 throw at the at the tree is like really funny because he kind of like has like uh, like he like side arms it. Yeah, he like does like he seems like not like to he's skipping how, a rock yeah. or something. And then like fucking takes he takes their car. Yeah, he takes their car. Yep. And we end on like an iris of like Pete's fucking face, like just like he's he's crying and he's like so fucking upset. And then it's nighttime again and. We see Pete, actual Pete, the real Pete, not yeah, not not fro- He wasn't turned into a toad. He's yeah, actually yeah. alive. Yeah, believe it or not, he he didn't get <laughs> turned into a frog. We see him. He's all strung up, and these dudes are whipping the shit out of him. They're asking him where the fuck the others are going. They want to know where they're going, where they're headed, what you know, what they're after. And Pete doesn't want to, isn't going to say anything. And just then, the guy with the with the dog showed up. I actually found out that this guy's name is Sheriff Cooley. He is it's, uh, Daniel Von Bargain. Daniel Von Bargain. Is he in anything else that I should recognize? He's him uh, in Super Troopers. He plays the asshole of like the city cops or whatever okay, okay. that they're against. He's been in a ton of stuff. Another oh. character actor. Okay. He's actually meant to be um, a representation of Poseidon oh. in in the Odyssey. And he is also like meant to kind of represent the devil. Like he's supposed to be like the devil incarnate. He's like he's uh, the one who's been tracking them. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And uh, so he shows up. Like he tries to basically reason with P and tells him, "Hey, your friends, they fucking abandoned you. They're not coming for you. So just tell us where where they're going." And Pete doesn't want to until like they bring out the noose and they're about to hang him. And Pete reluctantly tells them. I guess what I guess it's ne- the next day. Yeah. Um, Delmar and Everett, they're in the back of this truck. It's like just like a hay truck. Yeah, they probably just hitched a ride on yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Delmar's still like super upset. He's super upset about the the fucking frog, <laughs> and he like doesn't even want to go on. And Everett's like, no, we got to keep going. We got we got to. And th- while they're on this truck, they pass by a fucking chain gang. But this time they're not like trying to hide or anything, even though like yeah. this truck is like it's seat, like open. it's open in the back. Yeah. yeah. So they, they pass by and they actually see Pete on the chain gang. And he's right. just like staring daggers at him. Yeah. And Everett's even even asked yeah. Delmar, like, does Pete have a brother? And right. yeah, he doubts himself. He thought that maybe he was seeing things. Yeah, and he's just like, No, not that I and he's like, okay. So yeah, so then they, they pass by this chain gang, but you would think like they would try to hide, like let's let's get under the hay, something, but they don't. One of like the sheriffs that's out there walks right past the truck, 
look doesn't, look, say, doesn't anything. say anything. So so now we're we go to a town. I don't even know what town this is. They don't say really. And there's some sort of political rally for Homer Stokes there. And this is kind of the first time we're really seeing Homer Stokes. We saw like we've seen like his picture on like the the campaign trucks and stuff, and they're playing his song the Keep on the Sunny Side, um, by in the movie the the band's called the Sunny Siders on the soundtrack the band's actually called the Whites which is appropriate and it was originally uh, made popular by the Carter family in 1928. If you don't know who the Carter family is, if you know June Carter is and was uh, Johnny Cash's wife. That's her family. They were big, like they were big country music yeah. uh, family back in the day. So Homer's campaign is he says he's going to sweep the sweep the state clean, and that he is a servant of the little man. And he's that's his gimmick. He's got a broom with him, yeah. and he has a small person with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. No, his actual his, small person. Yeah, he's probably got, like what two two and a half feet, three feet, maybe if that yeah. and. And this person with dwarfism, he has his own broom, his own small broom. And they, they both want, they're going to sweep the, the state clean of all of Pappy's bullshit of nepotism and rascalism and all this shit. <laughs> I like hearing rascalism. Rascalism is great. And uh, Everett and Delmar, they, they arrive in town on, the, on this truck right on time for him to, to hear Homer Stokes introduce the little Warvy girls. They sing a song called In the Highways, and uh, these little girls are actually called the Peaceol Sisters? The Peaceol? Peaceol? Anyway, but this song was originally also done by the Carter family. Everett recognizes the the name uh, Warvy, so he goes up to the stage, he goes and sees these girls, turns out they're his fucking daughters. Yeah, because he immediately, he gets pissed, he's like, what? He's just like, why are you going by fucking Warvy? And they're like, well... Our mom changed our fucking name when you got hit by a train. <laughs> and he's just like, I didn't get hit by a fucking train, obviously. And she's like, well, mom said you did, so I guess you got hit by a fucking train. We find out that she's getting married. She has a new a new suitor and that she changed their name back to um, Warvy. And I guess they're going to change it to Waldrop, which is his, his last name. Yeah. Her- and, and he works for... Uh, Homer, Homer Stokes, Stokes campaign. Yeah, he's his campaign manager, and his name is Vernon T. Waldrop. Well, okay, well, let's... We'll, I'll, I'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah. So, with these little girls, they don't let Everett talk at all, I've noticed. Like, they talk more than him, and, like, they don't let him get a word in edgewise. And, um, which is... It's kind of fun, because, like, you're just like, oh, he's getting a taste of his own medicine. And he could... You could see him kind of getting, like, perturbed by this. They tell him he, his wife is at the or his, their mom is at the Five and Dime. He goes there and he's, he sees her. Uh, her name's Penny. She's meant to represent Penelope, who's Odysseus's wife in the mm-hmm. Odyssey. Apparently they have seven kids. She's even holding a baby that apparently right. she, she just, had. just had, like I guess right before he went to jail. <laughs> or, you know, she was at least pregnant with when he went to jail. Because he didn't even know. He even goes like, "Who the fuck is this? Who who, who, who is this fucking child?" You're, and um, and then we meet her new fiance, Vernon T. Waldrop, who is meant to represent um, Penelope suitors in the in the Odyssey. Yeah, this dude is. He's a very interesting looking fellow. He is. I I tried to figure. I was like, have I seen him in other things? And I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't place him. Honestly, he he kind of has a similar looking face to like. 
one of my cousins. Like he looked kind of similar to that. And like no shade. Like it's just like his his facial features are but he also has like kind of uh his ears kind of stick out. He's kinda of got like kind of a pointy nose. He's he's a very interesting looking guy and he's super and tall I, and skinny. I just realized like looking him up briefly, I was like, Oh, he's the Reverend from Deadwood. I've seen Deadwood oh, I don't okay. know how many oh. times through and I'm like, that's where I recognize his oh, okay. face from. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Ever pulls Penny to the side, like, let's talk real fast. And he's just like, he's just like, uh, I want to get back together, like, for the girls and all this stuff. And she's like, no. Basically, and rightfully so. Like, yeah. He, she's, she's like, she's like, no, you're a fucking loser. Like, why the fuck do I, like, you, like, you literally escaped from jail to try to stop me from getting married. No. I'm, we're not going to get back together. Not going to happen. Sorry. Sorry, buddy. She was still down. When, 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 I mean, when, when he went up to her, she was almost going to kiss him right in the fucking mouth. She, well, she she's like it happens a couple of times, but like, she, she's conflicted. She, she can yeah. switch like on a dime. Yeah. And then when she counts to three, is it yeah. like that's that's just like, that's oh, man, she counted to three. Yeah, no, that's it. That's that's done. So they're talking and he's he's just like you told her daughters that we got fucking hit by a train and now you're you're uh you're getting married to the, this fucking this guy named waldrip what the fuck and he's like you know he calls her he calls her a succubus yeah. and then fucking <laughs> and and uh vernon fucking walks him is like you can't fucking talk to her like that dude and he's like yeah well she's my wife so you can't fucking marry her and they start fighting and it's Evident from the from the get go that Everett does not know how to fucking fight. No, nope. he 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 goes right at him with it like wide fucking open. Like he's swinging at him wildly, and Vernon takes like an old timey like pugilist like yeah. boxer stance. I believe he's a trained boxer. Yeah. It, it looks like it at least, yeah. and he fucking and he beats the shit out of out of Everett. Everett's getting the ever loving shit kicked out of him <laughs> recently. He's got like he's definitely got a concussion. At least a couple. And then he gets fucking kicked out of Woolsworth. Yeah. He tells him, stay out of the Woolsworth. And I think <laughs> Delmar even brings it up yeah, later. later. He's like, he's like, I don't know if it was just the one branch or it was all of them. <laughs> so then Everett and Delmar go to the movies to kind of regroup. I actually found out that what they are watching is a movie called uh, Mert and Marge from 1933. It's a pre-code era musical comedy. Mm-hmm. And it features... Ted Healy and the Three Stooges. It's not the big screen debut of the Three Stooges, but it's like it features them. They're like kind of like the comedic relief in the background. Right. Everett's like kind of like bitching about women and just kind of in general, like, you know, like fucking rejected dudes. Yeah, he just got his ass kicked. Yeah, he just got his ass kicked. He's all fucking bitter and shit. His wife is like, you're a fucking loser, which, you know, rightfully so again. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we also kind of find out that maybe... Delmer might be a virgin. That's what's kind of implied because he asked him like Everett asked him, "Have you have you ever been with a woman?" And Delmer like real has is like, uh, 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 he's like, "I got to get the family farm back first before I could think about that." And he's like, <laughs> he's just like, he's like, yeah. And if then, and so I'm like, oh, like Delmer, like that's why he's so fucking innocent. That mm-hmm. he just doesn't know. Yeah. Um, and then like the movie that they're watching just fucking stops. Like in the middle of the fucking movie, we just see a silhouette of like. An obvious cop walking in and then like a fucking chain gang just marches in like all fucking loud in the middle of this movie and then like they sit down and he tells them enjoy your picture show and they start the fucking movie up again i guess that's something they used to do is like just take yeah break. just be like oh this is their break or whatever yeah, yeah it's a nice take, reward for if we're working on on the fucking breaking rocks breaking rocks, breaking rocks. <laughs> 
they start hearing a voice coming from behind them, uh, Everett and Delmar do, that says, Do not seek the treasure. And <laughs> they, they, they look back and it's fucking Pete. And he's basically tells them, like, don't look for the fucking treasure. They know. They know there's going to be an ambush waiting for you. And Pete's like, we thought you were their toad. And, uh, and he's, he's like, like, what? He's just like, just don't go get the treasure. Don't. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what are you talking about? We cut to Pappy's plantation now. This is another one where just they kind of just weave them in. They're not really super necessary. They're fun, like entertaining scenes, but they're not mm-hmm. really necessary to get like the, the story going. And um, this is basically Pappy's still bitching about the about Stokes. They're like, well, maybe we'll bring in our own little guy. Maybe we'll try this. Maybe we'll try that. <laughs> Pappy's like, no, no, like you guys are fucking dumb. This is where I noticed that Pappy's fucking pants are up to his fucking tits, <laughs> and. Um, and uh, the, the Stooges are talking about, like, they start arguing about whether uh, Homer Stokes is going to kick their behind or paddle their behind. And the scene ends with just Pappy just staring at them like, I cannot believe this shit. I cannot believe this is ha- fucking happening. Yeah. Also, I think I don't think I mentioned this, but apparently Pappy O'Daniel is actually based on... Uh, a real Texas governor named Papio Dano. Oh, wow. And his name, Menelaus, was taken from the Odyssey, which was... Uh, it was an, that was... Uh, was he a king or something? It was something like that. But his character arc is actually more based on Zeus. So then we cut to night again. Just Again, just night. Everton and Delmar break in, into the jail where Pete is, and they, they bust him out. I was thinking, like, as as entertaining as that Papio Daniel scene is, we don't necessarily need it. I think I would like to see more how they fucking broke into this fucking jail because they it's e- they're just oh, in. Right, yeah, right. The, yeah, like like it's we see no like, trouble at all. Yeah, no, we see Pete in bed, and then we see, and then they're they're th- they're just there, and they're yeah. like, we're getting you out, and they don't show how they fucking get out. They just get out. It's called movie magic, man. Yep. <laughs> And so then they get out, and they mm, this is a problematic part of the of the movie. They begin to um, to black up. They get, I guess, shoe shine or something, yeah. uh, some some dark stuff to to put on their faces to disguise themselves. I guess it's um, called camouflage. Get within. I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be camouflage, but <laughs> they kind of look like chimney sweeps yeah. more than anything. Pete tells them, like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, you guys. I told them about, you know, the treasure and all this stuff. And, you know, I feel really bad about it. I'm sorry I betrayed you. And Everett starts feeling guilty because he's feeling so guilty. So he's just like, you know what? I got to come. <laughs> I got to come clean. There's no fucking treasure. And we find out that the treasure was supposedly gotten by him, like, from a armored car robbery. He's like, no, I didn't never. That never happened. I just found out my wife was getting married. And, and I needed to convince you guys to come with me. Yeah, because so we, we were all chained together. I didn't know what to do. And, um, and Pete's like, I had two weeks left on my sentence. <laughs> no, now I have, like, another 50 years. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so he says. What is he getting out? Like, uh, 1982 or he something? Says, he says he'll be out in 1987. Like, and he'll be 84. And Delmar, ever the optimist, goes, well, I'll only be 82. 82. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> Which I'm like, wait a minute. Are they supposed to be like 30? They're supposed to, these guys are supposed to be 
our age. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, they look like they're like at least in their forties here. So I'm like, I don't know about all so that. Making me feel good. I'm like, yeah. hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm not like, bad. I'm like, I look better than John Turturro. Fuck. I don't look better than Clooney. Yeah, no, I mean, who, who does? Who among us? Yeah. And like, but also like, George Clooney, like, or Everett, he has white in his hair. Like, he has yeah. like a lot of white in his hair. He's got like Reed Richards, like sideburns and shit. Back then they just aged faster. Is that what it is? They're, they're living during the, the depression, so it's just like, shit just going down. Yeah, it's not because they're old, it's just they're stressed out. Yeah, he just hard, you. hard living. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Pete's pissed and he fucking tackles Everett down the, down this hill. They're fighting and Delmar's trying to stop him. And when they fall down this hill, they just happen to stumble upon like a big fucking KKK rally. Huge. And these dudes are doing some like synchronized Wizard of Oz shit. Yeah. Where they're like marching and they're going, ho, wee, ho, wee, ho. They're doing all kinds of that shit. And the main clan, I, I, I call him in this, I, the main clan dickhead, I found out that he's like the Grand Wizard or whatever the fuck they call it. He's all dressed in red and he sings a song called uh, Oh Death, which is also a fucking awesome song. This song's fucking rad. This one is sung by an old bluegrass singer named Ralph Stanley. The original was done by a guy named Morin Lee Doc Bog. While, while uh, he's singing... The boys notice that the clan has Tommy. Small fucking world. And they're like, we got to fucking save him. We got to fucking save him. We're going to take out the fucking color guards. The, that's the, the guys who are holding like shields and a flag. Flag, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like the, the, main, the main clansman is like, he starts talking about like, oh, we got to, you know, all the bullshit, you know, white supremacist shit. And uh, the voice sounds familiar. And we're like, hmm. What is who's who is this? So they're like, yeah. So tonight, like, in in order to serve our bullshit, you know, purposes, we're going to we're going to hang us a Negro. He says. Also, like when they take the the clothes from the color guard, it's also very Wizard of Oz because mm-hmm. that's also something that happens in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like the 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 guards and the, the witches themselves. Yeah. 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 And then we see that one of the clansmen only has one eye cut in his hood, and it's fucking Big Dan, of course. Big Dan Teague, and he fucking, much like that fucking hound dog, he sniffs out that fucking palmade. <laughs> he sniffs out that Dapper Dan right away. He walks right up on them as they're like, they're behind Tommy and they're like saying like, hey, Tommy, we're going to fucking get you out of here. Don't worry about it. We're, you're, you'll be okay. And he fucking just runs up behind them and unmasks them. Like we have like a, basically a proverbial like record scratch and everyone stops and like looks at them. They're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And even, like, the fucking Grand Wizard lifts his fucking mask up, and we see it's fucking it's Homer, Homer Stokes, of course. And even his, his little buddy is in a little Klansman uh, outfit. Even, like, their fucking horses are wearing fucking yeah. stupid shit. Mm-hmm. And um, because uh, the, the guy is fucking blacked up before they fucking put on these things... They automatically think, like, they're called, he says, like, the color guards are colored. And, yeah, so then they, they try to, like, go after him, and they hold, hold him at bay with the fucking Confederate flag and shit. Um, and uh, they fucking, uh, they, they run off, and as they're running off, Delmar, like, 
chucks this fucking flag. He throws it like a goddamn javelin. And um, it even looks like a fucking javelin. Does, yeah. Because it's like sharp at the bottom. Like, yeah. why? Like, why was it sharp like that? And he goes and it's headed right for Big Dan. And he catches it right before it hits him in the face. Because uh, Homer says, like, we can't let that, that flag touch the ground. So he catches it. But then when he catches it, he puts it down. Like, he, like it automatically goes right on the floor when he... After he catches it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what the fuck was the point? <laughs> and everyone's like all impressed. And Big Dan's like all like fucking chuffed with himself. Like, ha yeah, look, I, I caught it even though I just. But but then as as everyone's kind of distracted by that, the fucking boys cut like these cables that are holding up a fire cross. And it falls right on top of Big Dan, Big Dan and the, the rest of the clan. And I in my notes, I could I said, fuck them. Good fuck them, um, and they and they argue and they argue in NOFT. So then back in town, there's some sort of musical, political fundraiser, radio show, something. It's something like that. They're not really clear what the fuck it is, but it definitely has to do with like politics and stuff. So they show up. Pappy and his and his stooges show up, and we hear that they plan to hire Vernon away from the Stokes campaign to be their manager. And then Homer Stokes and his little friend show up and they're fucking pissed because uh, because their whole night was ruined. <laughs> they're getting out of the car. They're like ripping off their robes. Yeah. Just as, tossing them like back in the car. Yeah. Like you would like like if you're wearing like a, like a, a raincoat or yeah, something. And you're like, oh, like it's not raining anymore. Why do I need to wear this? So then the boys sneak in and they said it's an invite only affair. So they can't just get in. So they disguise themselves as musicians, and they wear fake beards, like ZZ Top style beards. Yeah, I don't. Who knows where the fuck they got these? Where the fuck did they they get these like fucking four costume beards? Four costume beards, like really good costume yeah, beards, even though they're quality. like they're just like tied on the, you know on the back of their their head with like string or whatever. Everett just wants to talk to Penny. They sneak in, but they get on stage where everyone can fucking see them. And Penny, sit, luckily, is sitting right next to the stage with Vernon. There's some sort of dinner or something happening, mm-hmm. and there's, like, music. And so Pete and Delmar, they they do uh, a version of In the Jailhouse Now, which is fucking great. Yeah. This is one of the, the best songs in the fucking movie. Like, all, like, the entire soundtrack is fantastic. I love this version. And it's actually, um, what's his name? Uh, Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson singing it. It's not John Turturro uh, yodeling in it, but no. but he also does a good his his facials in it are really fucking good and funny. So yeah, they, they do the the in the jailhouse now. Penny doesn't want anything to do with Everett, and Vernon doesn't want anything to do with Pappy. He tells him to go fuck off. Um, Stokes walks in just like immediately, like just starts talking shit to Pappy O'Daniel. There's a really funny with uh, thing with the Stooges where it's just like uh, Pappy tells. Homer Stokes like you'll be laughing out of the other side of your face come November and then the Stooges go like yeah then Pappy O'Dan will be laughing but not out of the other side of his face though nope just the regular side <laughs> and Pappy's like just shut up just shut the fuck up as uh, Everett's trying to talk to uh, Penny the band starts playing Man of Constant Sorrow and the fucking crowd goes fucking nuts for yeah. it there you go crazy um, and it and looks like they're even shocked. Yeah, they're, they're just like, like, whoa. They're like, holy shit. Like, yeah, we didn't expect yeah. that. Yeah, the whole time the, the song's been a hit and they're not they yeah. weren't aware. And, and Penny and, and Pappy are both shocked, too, because they're like, oh, man, like, we didn't know at all. And as as they're playing, Stokes starts, like, recognizing them. And, like, he starts saying, 
y'all are miscegenated. And he stops it. He's like, this music's over. Stop the music. This, he tells everyone, like, they're fugitives. They broke up our clan rally. <laughs> yeah. Like, he starts admitting to all this yeah. stuff. He's yeah. like, we were going to... Yeah. He's, he says, they interfered with a lynch mob trying to perform its duties. And everyone's like, we don't care. We want to hear the fucking song. Yeah. I don't give a shit what you're saying. Yeah. Like, fuck like, off. Yeah. Literally, like, whatever, whatever he like sway he had over like that crowd yeah, or whatever is gone. gone because it, he doesn't like this. He doesn't like them. He even says, like, he tells them, like, they're fugitives. And he tells them Tommy sold his soul to the devil. And he's like, these boys are not white. That's the thing, too, is like, he's the reform candidate, but he's a fucking Klansman. Which is very fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, the reform, like, is that he doesn't want, like, any, like, fucking integration at all. Um, I think even during the, the song, um, Pappy goes, like, all oh, these these boys are hit. And, and uh, he sees an opportunity. Yeah, and, and, the, and his son, uh, Junior, goes, like, oh, but Pappy, they're, they're integrated. Like, you know, the, and, and Pappy even goes, like, well, maybe integrated is not a bad thing, you know? Pappy just, like, is constantly looking for opportunities. The crowd doesn't give a fuck about what the fuck Stokes is telling them. He's just like, even when he tells them, these boys desecrated a fiery cross. And they start fucking chucking food at him. Everyone's booing him. They're booing the fuck out of him. And they ride his ass out on a rail. Like, yeah. they, like, bring in a fucking rail. They put him on there. And they just, and they take him out. Of yeah, and he's gone. And he's gone. He's done. And then they, they just start. They, they finish. They, they, they continue. get back to the song. They, right, yeah. right back into it. Everyone starts dancing. Pappy immediately just hitches yeah. himself to that wagon. Yeah, I like how he tried to initially just jump onto the stage. And <laughs> he like, couldn't get up. No, he's like, get out of my way. He walks up the around. stairs. Yeah. I like his little, like, dance that he does. Oh, his, his little hand. Yeah, <laughs> like when he's, like, lifting his knees and yeah. shit. It reminds me of, like, an aunt or somebody trying to, like, <laughs> impress you. Yeah. And like, oh, God, don't do that in front of everybody. Some of the dances that they do in this song, too, are, oh. like, in, like, in this performance are really fucking funny. Yeah. I've actually stolen a fucking couple of these fucking dance moves at certain points. So he goes up and... Fucking straight up pushes Pete and Delmar out, out of the way. way yeah. He's just like, get the fuck out of the way. It's just like, and he makes it all about himself, and he's just like, well, folks, like, Homer Stokes obviously doesn't like the Soggy Bottom Boys, but I fucking love the Soggy Bottom Boys, and I'm going to offer them a full pardon. When it comes down to uh, when I get reelected, they're going to be the brain trust of my, uh, my, my, of, of my, my office. The boys are all stoked on it. Everyone's all happy. They, he makes them sing his oh, campaign song. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He makes them sing like "You Are My Sunshine." You are my sunshine. And he's like, "You're gonna sing it, right?" Yeah, and they're like, "Yeah, okay." So then they leave, and Penny is just suddenly just arm in arm with Everett. She yep. switches. She does that that switch like we talked about, where she's just like, "Okay, we're together now," you know. And like, we don't ever see like Vernon again. Yep. Like he's just gone. Assuming he left with uh, Homer Stokes. Yeah. She says, like, they're going to get remarried and tells Everett that she doesn't want to use Vernon's ring. She wants to get, you know, her old ring. And she left it in this cabin. And the cabin is where he had originally said that the fucking treasure was. And by now, it's already been seven days. Something like that, yeah. It's it's been a while. She counts to three and she walks away. Because she does, she does not want to hear anything. As she walks away, a fucking mob, like, holding torches, walks down the street. I originally thought they were coming for them. I was like, oh, man. They're, like, they're going to get them. Yeah. 
until you see who's at the head of that mob. Yeah, and we hear a, a familiar laugh, and it is fucking our old boy George Nelson. He's all shackled up, and he's he's back on top. He's, They're gonna give him the chair. Yeah, That's, and he's excited for. It. He's like, I'm the first person to like get the chair. Yeah, here. he's. He's really stoked, but in uh, reality, the real George Nelson, the real babyface Nelson, actually died in, like, a shootout. But I like that they, they kind of come back to him. They're, like, yelling, like, cow killer at There's even, like, a yeah. cow. Yeah, there's in a the cow, cow. At, the, at the back of the yeah. mob. So then the next day, the, the boys uh, show up to, to the cabin, finally. It's not underwater, at least not yet. <laughs> when they get there, they find... Nooses and graves and are these three guys like digging digging their graves. Yeah, yeah basically. And um, and fucking Sheriff Cooley and his fucking dog come out of the the cabin, and basically tells them like, "You've been pardoned, but we don't really care. We're gonna fucking kill you anyways." So I saw something that well because I think it was Joel that worked on Evil Dead that mm. that's what the cabin was based on and it, it does have like yeah. that similar. Uh, no, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, it absolutely does. Oh, that yeah, no, it, it looks just like like the yeah. Evil Dead cabin. That's really interesting. That's cool. Makes sense for like fucking the devil incarnate to come out. Come out of that that evil place. Yeah, but we find that that they found that not because of of Pete telling them, but because they followed the fucking. Smell the dapper Dan because Everett had a whole, a whole fucking uh, the whole cabin is basically yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. just full of dapper Dan. So they tell him like basically we're going to uh, you've been like this is pardoned, the end of the line, but, but we're gonna kill you anyways. We don't have a radio, so we didn't fucking hear it because you've gotten away from us for too long. Then the gravediggers sing a really fucking like creepy song called yeah. called Lonesome Valley, and again it's another acapella kind of thing. So the, the boys, they all start praying. They all get on their knees and they start praying. Even fucking Everett, who to this point has been, been like... Pessimistic. Yeah, and, not and not really, Not a believer. Yeah, and he like actually like apologizes to the boys. Like It's really like the first time we see like Everett caring about somebody other than himself. Mm-hmm. And right after that, they start hearing a rumbling and they start seeing like trickles of water coming down. And this fucking wave of water just smashes them. Yeah. Just fucking wrecks them all. It's like a little tsunami going on. Yeah. And it just like destroys everything. They somehow survive this. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else survives it. Only the four guys. Yeah. Yep. Maybe the dog. Yeah. Maybe the dog. <laughs> we, we, we do like under the water. We see we see Sheriff Cooley's glasses floating mm. by. A bunch of fucking Dapper Dan fucking <laughs> cans, and uh, we see the dog underwater. So yeah, we're gonna say that the dog was probably okay, even though he's some sort of hellhound. And then all the, the boys come up, and they were able to get out of their their ropes or whatever that was holding them. I completely forgot. To- Tommy's there with them. Yeah, Tommy's there with them, yeah. and like the the sheriff even says like, "Oh, I didn't know you were gonna bring a friend. Well, he'll have to share one of your graves with you." One of the, the one of the coffins just pops up out of you know because it was empty. They're all able to like float on it, mm-hmm. and then um, you see uh, Tommy and Tommy's on the fucking roll top desk, and the roll top desk was where they said the ring the, the ring was gonna be. So he went in. They, they got the the ring, but while they're floating there, they see a fucking cow on top of the roof of a cotton house. Yep. It all comes back, and like as soon as like they're alive, uh, Everett's just like. 
automatically like he's back to his, his normal his way. Bullshit. Yeah, because he's just like it's like it's not because we prayed. It's because you I mean, know they were gonna flood the valley. Yeah, they, they were gonna yeah. do it anyways. You know, we just got lucky. He then he sees the cow in the, the cotton house and he's just like, huh? Like he remembers what the fucking old man says to him, said to him. Ever takes the the ring back to Penny, and she says, "It's not the right fucking ring." You got to go get the right one. And he's like, it's at the bottom of the lake. She's like, I don't give a shit. As we go out, the war- the little Warvy girls are singing a song called Angel Band. And the blind man on the railroad cart rolls by. rolls by right as they are cross- crossing a railroad track. And he's singing along with them. And that's how we end the story. And it was an, an epic journey, to-, to say the least. Yeah, I'm assuming they become big stars in Mississippi. And they they help out. Papi O'Daniel, and I'm sure everything is fine. Yeah, everything yeah. works out. Every yeah, they didn't do any kind of sh- uh, like shady dealings with Papi O'Daniel or anything. Yeah, or, no. Where they get like knocked off later. No, Lord knows, no one ever took advantage of Tommy and like forced <laughs> f- forced him to like record records no. for them for no money. Or Led Zeppelin didn't steal any of Tommy's music. Nothing like that, right? <laughs> nope. Never. So yeah, so that was it. That was uh, Oh Brother Art though, and I really fucking love this movie. All the dialogue in it, every, everything. I fucking like for me, it's like a flawless movie. Yeah, it's flawless. It looks beautiful. It sounds beautiful. Like, and it aged so fucking well. It aged really fucking well, with the exception of uh, maybe a couple things. But that's that's all based around yeah, which that is, time. Yeah, it's it's, it's all a, it's a period. Yeah, context, contextually. It works. Yeah, yeah. And it's the Coen brothers. I mean, I, there's not a lot of Coen brother movies that I... We're probably going to cover. Yeah, we're probably going to cover <laughs> some a few down of them. the road. Yeah. You know? This is probably my favorite Coen brothers movie. What's yours? Uh, it's, it's Lebowski. Lebowski. Yeah. Lebowski. Lebowski. Yeah. I would, I would say that that's definitely like... I would definitely say that that's definitely up there. That's probably like my second. Well, this favorite. is this because I finally watched this movie and like really enjoyed it. Like mm-hmm. this is this is up there now. With, yeah. with like my favorite Coen Brothers. Yeah, movies. I also like if you if you like uh, John Turturro and um, John Goodman, also watch Barton Fink. Mm-hmm. Barton Fink, it, and it takes place kind of around, around the same around time, the same yeah. time. It's darker. It's not as uh, as light. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. But it's really good look at old Hollywood. John Goodman again in that one is really fucking good. Okay, so that was it. I hope you guys enjoyed that. So I've been realizing that I've been kind of struggling with the fact that I've been wanting to bring in like during uh, my screenings how I would like to do, you know, little wrestling clips and stuff like that. But a lot of these movies, it's hard to do that. But I realized that we actually have... A wrestling reference pretty much every single time we do this and well at least that's what again it's a stretch <laughs> as you like to point out it's a fucking stretch and it's actually a WCW reference and we're going to spin the wheel and make the deal just like Sting and Jake the Snake <laughs> oh, Roberts yeah. did in, right. in uh, I forget one of the Halloween Havocs but we're going to do that and we're going to spin the wheel and make the deal Let's see what movie we're okay, going to cover next. And I, I left the sound on this time, but I'm going to have it away from the fucking mic. So, okay, what movie will, will we see next? Time to spin the wheel. Make the deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like that I put the, the sound on. It just doesn't make anything. <laughs> oh, shit. Our next, our next movie that we will be covering in two weeks' time will be 
Jim Carrey in Liar Liar. Oh right. Oh, no. oh yeah. So one of my faves. Yeah, that one is actually I believe that one is Jose's pick. Is that yeah. one that one yep. is yours, right? Correct Amundo. Alright, excellent. So yeah, join us in two weeks' time. And uh, if you like our theme song, I keep forgetting to shout him out. I, and it was just his birthday. How yeah, could you? Exactly. I want to give a quick shout out to, to my brother who actually made our theme song. So if you're interested in getting some, some beats, he makes a bunch of lo-fi beats, a bunch of hip-hop beats. Uh, go check him out. He's on SoundCloud at Nico Fusion. Fusion with two N's at the end. And uh, yeah, check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram. That'll link you right to his SoundCloud. And uh, and then tonight, I'm actually going to be as part of uh, representing this uh, this podcast. I'm going to be hosting a uh, Gremlins screening at a book show in Highland Park. So when you hear this, it will have already happened. But hopefully, it's me- the, it's you know. The first of a couple of, of many. Hopefully, yeah. in 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 the future, we'll be able to do more of these. All during the month of December, go to at Bookshow LA to find out what events they're having. This is going to be their last month, their last few weeks in the in their Highland Park uh, space. So uh, go check them out and give them money because they need money to to move. Yeah, and then hopefully our Gremlin screening will go great tonight, and uh, we'll do more of them in the future. Um, go ahead and follow the podcast on Instagram at Cinematically Cynical Pod. And on Twitter at Cinematic Cynics. Nice. Also, you can find us at Cinematically Cynical on Facebook. Cool. And we got all the social media shit. Yep. All right, guys. That's going to be it for uh, this time around. Uh, We will see you next time. I'm Daniel. This is Andrew. Bye. This is Jose. And we got R-U-N-N-O-F-T. What's the devil look like? Well, of course, there are all manner of lesser imps and demons, Pete, but the great Satan himself is red and scaly with a bifurcated tail. He carries a hay fork. Oh, no. No, sir. He's white. As white as you folks.